All right, I want to invite you to uh, open a Bible to Psalm 112. If you have one, we have it printed for you in your worship folder here as well. Um, so you'll have, we're going to look at it primarily, but if you do have access to a Bible, we're um, a little bit later, we're also going to look at Psalm 111, because um, these are actually companion psalms. They, they describe two sides of one thing and they fit together. Um, so, uh, but we are, we've been in this series of using the Psalms, uh, Psalms for times of trouble, uh, which is very relevant to our time now. Uh, we've looked at several things of several more to go throughout, through the end of the month of August, but we're looking at the trouble of bad news, uh, this morning. So, uh, let's look at Psalm 112 and, uh, you're welcome to follow along as I read it. This is God's word. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He is distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His Lord is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Father, again, ask for your help um, in studying your word, that you would teach us truth through your spirit, uh, that you would cause my words to be true, and you would cause all of our hearts to be open, that we would meet with you um, above anything else. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to start by talking about TV. I know this is this last season. You might have watched more TV than you have watched at any other time in your life. Um, and have you noticed how many uh, commercials are um, about insurance? Like this has been popping up in my mind even before um, looking into the sermon, but it's kind of, it's amazing. Um, if you're watching even Hulu or Netflix or anything like that, the number of commercials we see are uh, from an insurance company. Um, they're trying to sell us a uh, type of insurance. And commercials work in a couple different ways. Sometimes there's a product that needs selling, and they will, uh, the company will create desire, almost create a problem that we didn't know we have, and then here's the, here's the product to solve this new problem now that you have. Um, some of them are you know, the other way, though, that there's, there's an actual problem that we all feel um, deep down that hits very close to home for us and are able to spin the product in a way that directly speaks into uh, this problem. And this is kind of a way that um, insurance commercials work. In particular, the main one that keeps popping up, I think, on our Hulu account is the Allstate, um, How to Protect Yourself from Mayhem Like Me ad uh, campaign. You know that. Uh, this guy is, is, it just describes really ridiculous situations of what could happen to you uh, to cause mayhem in your life. They're not normal from... You know, a flag flying and, and, and covering up your car or, you know, or someone knocking your mailbox down or that kind of thing. And all these situations are so ridiculous that there's a sense we look at them and kind of laugh and say, well, that's, 
I wasn't afraid of that before, but I am now. Um, so it's kind of creating a desire in that way. But, it all, but the reason why it's so effective is because there is something about that that we all know very, very deeply. And that is just going through life, we have a lot to be afraid of. Um, if you're a, a grammar enthusiast, then you can write down, you have a lot of which to be afraid. Um, I had a friend who was criticized one time in a sermon for ending a sentence in a preposition, and I've been afraid of that ever since. Um, completely irrationally, if you know my grammar, because it is, that is a hopeless endeavor. Um, but we have a lot of things that we, that we can uh, be afraid of. And we know that the potential for bad news here is both high and the timing of bad news is random. And that we don't know what it's going to strike, when it's going to strike. But kind of in a way where this ad campaign, where it's trying to gear us towards insurance, if you have this insurance, then you have peace of mind and you don't have to worry about this frequency or randomness of bad news, then this psalm kind of gets a, gives us a picture of something that is really, really wonderful, um, that incites our desires uh, for this. Um, in some ways, rather than going for the solution, is giving us a picture of what life could, could be like that looks really, really wonderful. And so we're led in here asking this question, you know, we, we see this life described and we say, yes, please. I know what it's like to be afraid of bad news and I want that life where I don't have to be afraid of bad news and where everything that I touch will prosper. And so that's kind of how we're going to come into this psalm is through that question. Um, this is a wisdom psalm. Uh, this, it bears all the marks of wisdom literature. So I'm going to use the, the wise language. It's describing the wise life. Um, and we're going to look first at what is the wise life, um, and then second, uh, how does it produce fruit and of what kind. So you're kind of thinking of it like a tree, kind of like in Psalm 1, which has wisdom elements to it. Then we're attracted by the fruit first, uh, but rather than looking, we're going to look past the fruit at the trunk and see what is up with this tree and then trace backwards to how to get this fruit. So in the first place, what is the wise life? Um, as wisdom literature does, is we get that in the form of a comparison. We have two different types of people. We could say two different types of trees or two different pathways, ways to live. Um, and we see them both in the beginning and the end. Uh, look at verse 10 first, the end. We see there's a, com- there's a comparison between the wicked person um, here, as we don't get to, to the very end. It says that the wicked man... Um, um, is angry at the, the righteous person, the blessed person, gnashes their teeth, melts away, and the desire of the wicked will perish. And so the fundamental nature of how this person described is that they're ruled by their desire. Um, that rather than looking at a kind of life, um, a wise life, that they're primarily ruled by, by this internal desire in and of themselves. Uh, desire, uh, a quest for this desire to be quenched in some ways. And so we see that it's the self that is the primary motivating force behind life, making sure that, that one's own life is, um, is exactly the way that we want it. And we see that come out in, as verse 9 shifts into verse 10, um, that the, the wicked person is actually angry at the righteous person because their life doesn't look the same. And so we see this, this strong self-focus coming through. So that's the wicked person on the one side, and then we have this, the righteous person, um, the beginning here, described as the man who fears the Lord in verse 1, which takes up the majority of this psalm. Um, and this, and by comparison, 
this person is characterized by delighting, not just following, but delighting in God's commandments. Uh, you see here um, that these character qualities that come out are actually are God's character qualities that are seeping into this person's life. Uh, they're gracious, merciful, righteous. They conduct their affairs with um, justice. Um, they give to the poor. Uh, these kind of things that mirror God's character. And what are the opposing ends of these two people? Where it says that the desires of the wicked that will perish, uh, they will be around for a time and they will not be quenched, but they, they might be flowering for a moment, but they will eventually perish. And three times... This person who fears the Lord is characterized by their righteousness or their being remembered extending forever. And so we're drawn into this with, with these two comparisons that are, that, are, that are on two different sides. And that's a teaching technique so we can consider uh, what is different about these two people. Uh, starting with the ends, that there are very different ends to these uh, two types of life. Uh, but what is this? So in this, focusing here on this person, this righteous person, this person who fears the Lord, what is this main thing about them? And this gets into what, what biblical wisdom actually is. Uh, that we might think about wisdom as being smart, as being very capable with life. Uh, but here, the primary characteristic of it is that somebody who fears the Lord and they delight in his commandments. So in, in, in beyond just being smart, that they, are, that they are characterized by being faithful, being faithful to who God is and what he has called uh, people to, a little bit different than the way that we understand wisdom. Some have defined wisdom as the art of godly living. So it's not just a life hack that you might find to make things easier. By the way, speaking of life hacks, if anyone wears glasses, if you could tell me how to have a mask and, and not fog them up. Um, I would, didn't talk to me afterwards. I need to know that. Um, but it's, it's, it's rooted in this, in this fear of the Lord. It's true godly wisdom is rooted in um, a trust and a healthy respect of him above, above all else. It's been said there's an experiential component where God who gives the law is actually the creator of heaven and earth. And that the law bears his characters and instructs us how to live in a way that works with it best. But it also has a moral component to it, where it's, it's rooted in, um, in God's actual character of morality. And so wisdom, what it's doing is it is applying um, what a fear, a healthy trust of the Lord to even the daily details of life. And this is how we have to understand wisdom. So it is calling us to a life that above anything else, uh, despite whatever might happen to us or is happening, that it has a fear and a respect of God um, himself. And so that leads us here in the end. So, so if that's what, that's the trunk of the tree, uh, that's what the wise life actually is, then how does that produce fruit? And what kind of fruit um, does it actually produce? And I think if we look in here, we see this on the one hand, I'm going to, we're going to look at a, nat- there's a natural sense to this. And there's a supernatural sense to this, uh, which I'm going to take in turn. So first, we're just going to zoom in on the natural sense, these natural blessings. And that if we're saying that the wise life, um, in fear of the Lord, of God is the creator, um, he's, the, um, he's the sovereign director of all of life, then there is a grain to life to it that flows in a way according to how God made it. And from there, there are both natural blessings and natural consequences. Look in verse 2. There are natural blessings to a family. 
and that this person who fears the Lord, um, that they are a blessing to their offspring. And this is creating an environment where uh, generations upon generations forward, um, where this knowledge of God and this wisdom of God is passed on through, through subsequent generations. Uh, they have a very positive influence on their family, and that's a natural blessing of the fear of the Lord. Um, also in one's community, look in verse 5 and verse 9, they have to do with honorable business dealings. And that the person who conducts their affairs with justice, um, who is honorable, who is giving rather than taking, um, that there are, they become honorable to the community. And there's a way where this is recognized. They're a trustworthy uh, person um, that, is a, that is a welcome member of a community. Also of insecurity, and I'm going to come back to this later, but is saying that wealth and riches are in this person's house and that their righteousness endures forever. This is something that you would find in a lot of um, ancient uh, literature, these material blessings, the way of talking about these things, um, which are, can get very confusing for us, uh, but also is showing that there is a, there's just a natural security. And we can look at this. If you look at Proverbs, it talks about wisdom. With a lot of these, with a lot of these circumstances, things like diligence comes up a lot. Um, things about uh, even socially, um, that when we conduct our affairs with justice, then things go well, you know, our stuff aren't taken away and those kinds of things. That according to these just natural ways of life, that there's a way where life tends to work better than other ways. And at the same time, there are also natural consequences and that we have to look and we would be, we would not be taking this seriously if we're not actually um, looking at this part of what this means for us. That if we're cruel to our family, if our family is characterized by dishonesty or manipulation or fear or those kinds of things, then it's hard to expect um, that there are not going to be consequences to that in some ways. Uh, that there's not going to be um, hurt, uh, twisted relationships that come out of that. That corrupt business dealings that are selfish, they're eventually uh, they're going to come back around to us um, uh, one day, and that would be only natural. Uh, if our priorities are, are out of whack, um, then uh, it's hard to expect that there will be blessings. I mean, we can, we can, you know, fan this out to so many things. And one of the things that made me think about even, you know, my own life, that you can think about, you know, let's say if you struggle with anxiety, like that might be a real thing that could have any number of, of effects. But yet... If we don't ever sleep, if we don't ever exercise, if we just sit and scroll through our phone, if we drink too much, drink too much coffee, those kinds of things, then it's also hard to, it's hard to see that this is helping that situation at all. And sometimes we can feel like lots of things continue, bad things continue to happen to us, and it might be random, and it might not. And this is inviting us to actually consider and ask some of those questions. So in that sense, there is a natural sense to wisdom of going with the grain of life, uh, that there are natural blessings and there are natural consequences that come with these two sides, uh, that comes with uh, whichever life we choose. But this is where we have to move and we have to start asking the really hard questions, which have been looming over this whole psalm, I think, since even reading it, and I know they have been for me. And that we have to ask, does this mean that if we follow this wise path, does this mean we just have slightly better odds of life going well, but we don't have guarantees that it's going to go well? How does that work? And we know that even if we look in the wisdom literature, one of the common themes is it looks like it's actually the wicked who prosper. 
and it's the righteous who don't prosper. And that just as much as life works like this, it doesn't work like that. And what do you do if we realize that we've kind of messed our lives up and there's hard to undo these consequences? What do we do in that situation? It hasn't done away with bad news. We see here that even this life is characterized by darkness, times of darkness in verse 4, of the presence of bad news in verse 7. Uh, having adversaries in verse 8. Um, translating material blessings to whatever that means is very hard. And then we think about what this remembering means. Like, who is remembered forever? Like, how does that actually happen? And so we start to grapple with these things. We start to see that bad news continues to come, even with a life like this, uh, that can be crushing um, to our souls. And if you've ever, you know, if you've ever moved somewhere and then moved back and you realize how quickly that we are forgotten, no matter how much time that we spend there, it kind of brings all of these things into question. And so what do we do with this? How do we make sense of these promises? And so that's where we get to the supernatural sense of this. And I mean supernatural, not in a spooky sense or a a mystical sense of something more here. Well, I just mean that there's something more here than just the natural grain of life uh, that is in play. And we see these things in two ways. If you look here in the fear of the Lord, uh, the pers- verse 1, the person who greatly delights in the Lord's commandments. The law that was given to God's people was more than just instruction of the way to live best that is rooted in the natural law. It was instruction for God's people. But it also was rooted in a covenant relationship of where God bound himself to his people. That is a binding relationship where he redeemed a people from Egypt. He said that you are my own. And in giving the law, then he is cementing this relationship with them that he says endures forever and ever and ever. His faithfulness, his steadfast love endures forever and ever and ever. And that's where, again, we look at it in that, that sense. We remember again that this word forever that keeps coming up and up and up and up and coming again and again and again, three times throughout this psalm. And then we look at these blessings. We have to see them in terms of forever, like an, inter- an eternal thing. That the, the immediate blessings that happen even here, that they are just a subset of what endures forever and ever and ever for all time. That they're not the whole thing. And so we have to understand this in terms of God's covenant relationship. And what has God done? Uh, if you look back in Psalm uh, 111, I'm just going to read a few verses here that where he is listing um, um, that God has caused his wondrous works to be remembered, that the Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides foods for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the works, the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works um, of God's hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name, is the name of the Lord. This is what God's done for his people. And that God, in binding himself to his people, then he has cemented this future, this eternal element that is not dependent totally on us. That is more dependent upon him. 
And we see this most clearly when we look at the history of Israel, of the people who had this and rehearsed these songs over and over and over and over again. And yet, their faithfulness to God's covenant did nothing but go from worse to worse to worse. There had to be something more for God's people, even to consider our lives being secure or being blessed. And he gave that to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And then in Jesus, the forever element comes out where because the reason we can trust him and we can lean on these promises is because God has made a covenant with us in his own blood. Where sinners, he laid down his own life for us so that his righteousness could be extended to us, so that his righteousness would endure forever and ever and ever. And that Ephesians 1 says, and I'm not going to read it for time, just waxes again and again and again, just the abundance, the storehouse of spiritual blessings that are now belong to God's people because of Jesus. That if you are part of the people of God, you have now been attached to a story that is not just about your one moment, but that it extends forever and ever and ever. That is mediated not by you in your faithfulness, but by Christ and his righteousness. And so what does that do for us as we even look at our own lives and we look at these, this way of wisdom is that the blessings that we see, any, the, any obedience that the Spirit works in us by His power, it is kind of like the future glory, the future new creation to come breaking into our moment right here in just little bits in a way that will be much more full when He ushers the whole thing in at the end. So I just want to leave with a metaphor, which might be a little bit cheesy. It's like this. So we know that the bad news comes. It's like the dark clouds that are kind of random and that are, that, are, that are covering the earth. They come here and there, and it just hides the beauty that is underneath. And every once in a while, there's a little window of light that comes through that shines on something underneath that is actually beautiful. And yet, a lot of the time is covered uh, because of the darkness. But, and we can rejoice in that, and we can see those moments of light, those moments of goodness as a gift from Jesus, um, as, as the new creation breaking into the now. But the great promise that we have here and the security, the reason we don't have to be afraid of bad news, is because as Jesus has given himself uh, to us in his death and resurrection, he has bonded us to himself, then even the dark parts end up now serving his story to the new creation that he is bringing. So it's like rather than the dark clouds actually obscuring things that are good, it is these clouds that give rain. And it is from even these clouds that God will bring the storehouse of blessing. And that is why that even in the face of bad news that hurts, and even in the randomness of not knowing what God is up to, it is because of this covenant relationship with Jesus that we can persevere. We can even persevere in hope in uh, this vision of this wise life because it doesn't come down to us and it doesn't come down to our moment. It comes down to him. And through him, we are invited now into something much greater and much more beautiful, a life where we can look forward to a much different end uh, than we will have on our own. I'll stop there uh, and pray for us. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this glorious vision that seems so far away when we really um, unpack um, what these blessings mean in our own lives. Uh, thank you for Jesus and the hope that we have. And we pray that you would, as you promised to, um, through your spirit in our lives, that you would give us hope 
uh, that you would work good things, um, even in our own failures, uh, that your people would, um, would enjoy your blessings now and we would, we would display your wisdom, um, not only through your way, but through your grace that you have extended to us. Father, comfort us all and give us all hope and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.